0: everybody, it's Chris. Welcome to another episode of Not About Wrestling. And my guest today is Jamie Hemmings. Jamie is the book editor for Slam Wrestling. Uh, she's been a wrestling fan her entire life. Ever since her aunt sent her VHS copies of Superstars of Wrestling and uh, WWE's Saturday Night's Main Event when she was a kid. Because she was in Canada and she couldn't get any shows on TV. So her aunt used to sell it, send her these VHS tapes. Became a huge wrestling fan, ended up going to school for journalism to write specifically about wrestling. And um, she's just a pretty cool woman. Uh, we have a great talk. We talk about, you know, growing up a wrestling fan, how she kind of got bullied for being a wrestling fan, um, going to journalism school, once dressing up as Ric Flair to give a presentation in journal- journalism school, which is amazing. She, would deserve an A just for that. And uh, we talk about a whole bunch of different things and she, she actually breaks down the best wrestling books that every fan should uh, should read at least once. So um, without further ado, here's Jamie Hemmings. with jamie hemmings from slam wrestling slam slam wrestling i've been reading it since forever and it feels like you've been there forever (laughs) forever. a little bit i've been there since 2005 it's been there
1: a lot longer than than me but yeah
0: okay but i i'm not saying that in a bad way like i work in the same industry and to be writing somewhere forever is a good thing
1: it is yeah it's Feels like home, feels like a family. And now that we're on the, we just this year after WrestleMania went on our own site, we used to be hosted by a news site. Mm -hmm. And now that we're on our own and I'm the book editor also took that post on this year, just getting to know the writers a lot more because we all knew Greg Oliver, the producer and would kind of submit our articles to him. Everything went through him, but now getting to interact with the other members of Slam has been really cool and seeing what we have in common,
0: how we're different and just, that's been a great experience too. What did you do for the website prior to being the book editor?
1: Um, I, ca- I did a lot of book reviews once I uh, had my son in 2010. So once, and I was a stay-at-home mom after that too. So I was doing a lot more book reviews because it just worked better for my schedule, but I've done profiles just all sorts of different wrestling stories. I did a lot of profiles when I first started in 2005, just, I think it was kind of just to see um, if if you can handle doing different stories for Slam. But that's always kind of a good way to start is just to interview some different indie wrestlers and write about them and stuff. But it's been a lot of lately leading up to being a book editor, a lot of book stories, but I've kind of done a little bit of everything.
0: I I think people don't understand that there are so many wrestling books out there that you do have to, I mean, people just... I guess it kind of slips under the radar a little bit. You know how many wrestling yeah. books come out, and not just biographies. Like there are books about, you know, uh, the territory days and all different things like that. Um, so let's backtrack a little bit before we get into the, uh, the the things you do today. How did you get into wrestling?
1: Um, so I grew up in a really really small town in Saskatchewan, in Canada. I'm Canadian. I live in the U.S. right now, but I am Canadian, and um, we had two channels growing up and one was like the local channel that kind of had, you know, local people on TV and one was a, um, a national Canadian channel. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a lot of fun shows like mm-hmm. they were okay, but nothing really gr- crazy or anything or that entertaining, especially for a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so my aunt who lived in British Columbia would send VHS tapes of cartoons and she sent with one parcel, a tape that all had wrestling on it. And it had superstars of wrestling and it had um, Saturday night's main event. And this was the lead up to um, the Mago powers explode. And Miss Elizabeth had to choose which corner she was going to be in either Macho Man or Hulk Hogan for WrestleMania five. And that was my introduction. And I just couldn't get enough. That was, I was hooked. Like I was just, I'd never watched it before. Like, I think my dad and my brother, some have a younger brother would watch it if they could find it. And I just, eh, I didn't have an interest, but seeing that and just, you know, it was just sparkly and it was just amazing and just dramatic. So I was into it.
0: Was it the struggle between the mega powers themselves or the struggle for Miss Elizabeth? What was kind of the...
1: I was drawn to her because I'm very much an introvert and a quiet person. I'm a bookworm, hence being a book editor, perfect Mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. So just to see someone like her who is just so quiet and kind of shy as well and just had this amazing like just was beautiful and graceful and people still res like people still were attracted to her and she resonated with so many people like you didn't have to be loud and flashy to get noticed and that's why I really was drawn to her and then she you know had to make this decision and she was all there all demure and not wanting to you know not wanting to choose because she had um affections for both men you know different of course mm-hmm. between macho man and hogan but she cared about them both and just just the the tension and of course macho man being upset when she didn't choose either of them
0: mm-hmm. she was in a
1: mutual corner
0: did you find yourself watching the same videotape over and over again oh
1: yeah oh i have like and especially macho man stuff like mm-hmm. i have seen even though macho man and elizabeth were married before their wedding at SummerSlam I have watched that wedding I could probably do the commentary if you turn it down like I, really? could do, I could do Bobby Heenan I could do Roddy Piper I could do Gorilla Monsoon I could do the the whole thing commentative of the wedding and just the music video that played beforehand I know it all.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. It, did it have any uh influence on you when you planned a wedding or anything or? <laughs> a little bit because uh I wanted to get married in
1: a wrestling ring and I thought that would just be spectacular and I'm been married to my husband Martin since when we get married 2008 and uh he said absolutely no way no and uh so as a compromise he made our wedding cake and it is a wrestling ring and we're in the middle of a wrestling ring and I had a mentor in wrestling named Bob Leonard who has kind of done everything but wrestle Mm -hmm. most notably he's taken some he's no longer with us he passed away a few years ago but he was really known for his photography and um, he also at a where I used to live in Saskatchewan, where I went to university and where I was living for quite a while. Um, they had an indie wrestling league that was high impact wrestling. I don't think they're around anymore. But Bob would do the announcing. So on the side of our wedding cake is this little table, and it said reserved for Bob Leonard. And he was still alive at our wedding, and I uh, presented it to him
0: wow. at our wedding. So that, that's very sweet. Is your husband a wrestling fan at all?
1: He kind of has to be because like he knew of of people like before we got together like I just learned actually this year he's always kind of been fascinated with the bushwhackers which I had no idea Mm -hmm. and I because he's also kind of my husband's kind of a neat freak and I was like you know they licked people right like Mm -hmm. they would just walk up and lick fans and he just Mm -hmm. thought they were like hilarious and really enjoyed them so and he'll go to um, live shows like we've gone since we've lived we live in New Mexico and we've been here four years and we've been able to go to three house shows before, all before COVID, of course, and he actually won one set of tickets on the radio, like, and he goes willingly and has a good time. He loves the hecklers mm-hmm. in the crowd. Okay. He finds the fan comments and watching <laughs> the fans probably more entertaining than the matches themselves, but like, he doesn't know all the stats and everything, but he he knows enough to follow along and he loves the new day. He loves that they throw pancakes the and day. dance. Yeah. Around, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: <laughs> so so your your husband uh, tends to lean to the more jovial, cartoonish type.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't think he's a fan of the fiend or anything.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> did you break the news to him that prior to being the bushwhackers, they were the sheep herders who were very bloody, violent, kind oh, of? <laughs> I,
1: I, I don't know if I told him. That's a good... Good yeah. point. I'll, and, and now you've ruined it. No,
0: I, 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 I haven't really talked to him about that. Yeah. Yeah. You should say, uh, do you want to see the early Bushwhacker stuff when they were the sheep herders and show him some of the more violent stuff that they do just to get his kind of like gauge?
1: I, I um, should. Well, there's a, a autobiography is coming out. John Crowther, who's done um, a lot of comic books for wrestling for um, Squared Circle Comics is the Mm -hmm. name of the publications, or the publisher, sorry. And he's working with the Bushwhackers doing an autobiography. And I kind of thought it might be interesting if my husband and I wrote the article, because my husband's such a fan, kind of like Mm -hmm. a he said, she said. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm thinking. And so maybe I was kind of going to wait to tell him about the sheep herders stuff. Maybe that was probably my thinking, because yeah, I haven't mentioned it to him, but Mm -hmm. it might be an interesting thing for him to comment on when the book comes out.
0: So... Your exposure uh, to wrestling was when you were young. Um, mm-hmm. How was it? Well, how was it received? A young girl liking wrestling?
1: Not well. Um, <laughs> I was bullied severely as a child, unfortunately. And one of the uh, things I was bullied about was liking wrestling. Like it just, and that's kind of how I found out about um, kayfabe. Mm-hmm. I was so invested in wrestling, had no idea. And then kids started talking about it, and I actually had to. I was pretty naive. And I, I actually had to have that conversation with my dad and he had to break it to me that it wasn't real. And like, I was probably, you know, like probably eight, like seven mm-hmm. or eight, like when, not long after I started watching, but it was not received well. And I know even my own mom was probably like, she didn't discourage it, but she kind of thought, oh, this will be something she grows out of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just, I would want to do it, uh, something to do with wrestling for school projects and reports and the teachers would kind of roll their eyes and, you know, it just wasn't like, cause, and I would tell people, well, I want to be a wrestling journalist when I grow up and they're like, that's nice. You know, like, mm-hmm. like it's not going to happen. There's no such thing. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, I got to, when I went to journalism school, we got to do a report on our favorite journalist. And I picked a wrestling journalist who was, you know him, I'm sure Dave Meltzer mm-hmm. and everybody else is doing, you know, like some kind of columnist from the paper or true crime or investigative reporter. And I'm like, I had all the newsletters of the Observer newsletter talking about Dave Meltzer, like this, this job does exist. Pro mm-hmm. wrestling journalism does exist. So
0: do you think it would have been easier as a kid if the women's division existed back then the way it does today?
1: Yes, because all we kind of had, I didn't get to see very many women's matches until later. Mm-hmm. And then kind of when I like, you know, of course, Trish Stratus and Lita were great examples, but the, then that was also the getting into the attitude era where we had a lot of pillow fights. Mm-hmm you know, yeah. and things like, that. and, and there was some wrestling prior to, before I got into wrestling, or there was some women's wrestling rather prior to me getting in. So maybe if it, like I was just at the wrong time when mm-hmm. I first got into it. So there wasn't like, I think, I don't even remember. Like you would have had like Mula and Wendy Richter and that. I kind of just missed that when I mm-hmm. got into, so yeah.
0: So you're talking like uh mid to late 80s is when you kind of got into it.
1: Yeah, because it was, uh 89 was WrestleMania Five.
0: Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll, at that point, a lot of the female characters were like your sensational Sherry's, yeah. your Miss Elizabeth's, more the valet. I mean, Sherry and, wrestled.
1: But like, when, when I saw her wrestle, it was against Sapphire, you know, uh, and yes. you know, like it wasn't, It wasn't like, like, of course now with YouTube and the internet, and that's the other difference here. We didn't have the internet when I first started getting into wrestling and I can watch that stuff now and look at past matches, but that didn't exist. And you couldn't show it to people either. You can be like, look, look, women wrestle too. And you Mm -hmm. just didn't have access to that.
0: Yeah. It had to be, I mean, hard. I I mean, like even as a kid, as a boy, I mean, there was boys that liked wrestling, Mm -hmm. but you know, it was kind of like, it wasn't the most popular thing in the world after a certain age. Like when kids were younger but then when they started like getting clued in to what it was like it wasn't as popular yet i kind of still gravitated towards it it's it's a hard transition for kids it's kind of like letting go of santa you know
1: this was more devastating finding out about the cave more
0: devastating what was what was the most devastating part like what was the first thing that you when you found out that it wasn't real like what was the first moment where you thought wait so that's not real
1: well yeah like like macho man and hulk hogan don't really hate each other in real life like well i know they've had animosity in real life but and just and then i remember reading in the national Enquirer. this was a little few years after but like it had talked about how elizabeth and macho man had been married for years before Mm. and i was what like i thought this i thought this love story was unraveling before my my eyes you know Mm. but just yeah i think it was moments like that that just oh Like, they're actually friends, because, and I also didn't have access to go see, like, being in a small town, I didn't go see wrestling shows, Mm -hmm. so I didn't see them, you know, traveling together, you know, or traveling separate, like, I never saw any of that either, so it was just very strange, and I was very naive to it all.
0: I'm guessing wrestling never came to your town.
1: No. Um, It came, the closest would have been to, um, two hours away from where I lived was Regina, Saskatchewan. And that's where I went to university Mm -hmm. as well. And and there were some house shows that came there. And also we'd go every summer to visit family. We have a lot of family in British Columbia. So the first show I ever got to see was in Vancouver, British Columbia. My uncle arranged for us to go, because he was really involved with recreation facilities. He actually um, would teach how to upkeep in different aspects of a recreation facility. Mm -hmm. And he did a lot of behind the scenes stuff when WWF would come to Vancouver so I got a lot of posters and autographs and things like that from him because once I got into it and he uh arranged for us to go to a house show and Hulk Hogan actually wrestled in the main event and I was a big Hulk mania fan and a, a macho man unfortunately was not there but I got to see Hulk Hogan wrestle so at my first live show
0: that your first live show was Hulk Hogan wow yeah
1: yeah, yeah. wow I wasn't front row or anything we got nah. he got us some <laughs> comp seats and we were like you know way in the back but it was still still pretty cool when you know I, I don't know how old I was I was probably like I don't even think I was a teenager yet going to see it so it was pretty cool
0: when you were a little kid what was your reaction when the wrestlers were billed from Canada
1: um I think like I was a Bret Hart fan I think like Bret Hart was a big deal because that's kind of how I met my mentor Bob Leonard because um he was, Brett was signing autographs in Regina, which was like, I've said it's two hours away. And it was before I had a driver's license and all that. And my parents just with their work schedule that they couldn't, they didn't have the time to take me. And I was upset about it. And I was, uh, cutting the grass of an elderly gentleman that was also a mentor to me and, and he's like why are you so upset because I was not hiding it I was very upset that day I couldn't go t- to Regina to go get mm-hmm. Bret Hart's autograph and he's like oh well maybe my friend Bob Leonard can help and I still have it in a photo album like Bob Leonard got my brother and I each a signed picture from Brett. so
0: wow that's amazing it's always amazing when you're into something and then a person who you never expect has like a connection to it.
1: I would have never thought like, I never yeah. talked wrestling with this guy. Like this guy had, we talked Shakespeare and Dickens and cause he was a big reader like I am. And actually when he, he passed away, I got, I even got a whole bookshelf of his books, including the shelf, like from, mm-hmm. like after, like we, we would talk books and he would always give me different, um, I would get like an Oxford dictionary or thesaurus from him every year. Like I'd never in a million years thought, he'd know anything about wrestling and Bob Leonard was one of his closest friends and he's like right away yeah you should talk to Bob.
0: Wow that's really funny. That's amazing so you grew up you, you didn't get much wrestling where you were did you get any wrestling mags or anything?
1: I surprisingly like we had one grocery store and it had this tiny tiny magazine rack behind the cashier like on the other side, like it was, it was only like a quarter of what you'd see in like a, a regular store. And surprisingly, sometimes they would have wrestling magazines, like their Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, not always. I, I don't remember, recall seeing the WWE magazine or WWF at the time, mm. but it was a lot of Pro Wrestling Illustrated and and ones like that. The uh, I guess they call it the, the After mags, things after like mags, that. Yeah. But um, so I would have access because that was a huge resource. Like I said, we didn't have the internet, so. That would just be my way of looking, especially the only wrestling I would ever see on TV for the longest time was WWE Mm. because it took a while for us to get the TBS channel on our cable. So then when I had that, I could watch WCW for a long time. The only thing I could see on television was WWE.
0: Yeah. I remember as a kid, I used to get a lot of the magazines. Like I'd go to the store, I'd get the PWI, whatever they had. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember, and I was probably much older, probably maybe like my mid twenties. And I found out that like 99% of them were bullshit and all made up. And I remember being so crushed. I'm like, wait, so that's not real. (laughs) Like I thought I was reading actual articles when really I was reading just made up stories about the wrestlers.
1: I think that was part of when you asked what was hard to um, deal with with kayfabe. I think it was Uh realizing the magazines too, because to me they were kind of like newspapers. Yes. these wrestling magazines and you're like oh okay so it's not <laughs> it's kind of like they're telling stories or like you know like they can just make it up they're, like they're p- most likely didn't even interview the wrestler they're talking yeah. about they probably just made up the quotes you know? yeah
0: never they would take pictures and like make stories up based on the pictures yeah. and things like that so that that kind of like crushed me a little bit but then after a while you just kind of like get over it and realize okay much of what we love is just as fictional as a movie would be it's so escapism. You just gotta take yeah. it yeah so you just gotta yeah. take it as that you know, yeah. So you go to school, you uh, get your journalism degree. Um, did you you always wanted to be a wrestling writer? Is that what you went to get your journalism degree for?
1: Um, Well, I basically just I want. I knew I'd, it was important to my parents, and it was important to me as well to get a degree. And I knew I liked to write, so I'm like, okay, I guess journalism. Like I didn't have visions of being like on the news behind the desk reading the news <laughs> out. Like I didn't feel that way, but. Um, I, I knew I liked to write, so I thought, and, and when I did have assignments for journalism school, I would, I would use wrestling whenever I could and much to the chagrin of some of the teachers and my fellow students mm-hmm. like, Oh, wrestling again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think it was just cause I liked to write and I thought, okay, what can I, I want to get a degree. So what, what is the best fit here? And, and in the journalism school, like you had to, um, take radio broadcast and print especially for the first year of, of it was a two-year program you did two years prior in the university and then you applied to the school and the first time I applied I didn't get in so I had to wait another year mm. and then I applied again and I got in but it's they the first yeah first year until you're into your second year then you can kind of more specialize if you want to like I preferred print so I you know I was like nope no more broadcast classes for me mm-hmm. but like the first year you had to take radio and broadcast as well
0: were any of your paper I'm, I'm sure that your papers were wrestling related Oh yeah. Do you remember any of them? Um, well, I wrote about, um, Bob Leonard mm-hmm. for
1: my, uh, final magazine class assignment. And actually that got printed on slam as well. Wow. So, um, and actually Greg Oliver always puts me over and says, that's one of his favorite pieces. And now that Bob is no longer with us. And the fact that Bob had intended to write a book, but didn't get to write a book. I'm, I'm really glad that, cause it was quite lengthy. If you do go look on slam, like mm-hmm. make sure you have a few minutes to sit and read it. Cause it's quite lengthy. And it's a very personal piece about how much he meant to me and how much uh, he loved wrestling as well. And other people, um, he really meant a lot to a lot of other people in wrestling too. So, mm. but yeah, and even um, I even interviewed Bob, <laughs> there. like it was kind of, how can I put Bob Leonard in this class? And also mm. I did a presentation on Dave Meltzer. Mm. I also, we had to do a book report and we were given a list of books to read. And uh, Rick Flair autobiography had come out mm-hmm. and during university I, I, I like I love to read um, but because of the workload I didn't have a lot of time to read um, like what I personally wanted to read like it was a lot of textbooks or required reading so I somehow convinced my te- my prof at the time that I should do a book report like forgo the list you gave me and I should do the autobiography of Rick Flair so in order to kind of sweeten the deal I dressed up as Rick Flair I had this old ratty blue bathrobe. It's the best I could do. And I found this blonde wig at my house. My brother and I lived together in an apartment. I don't know where the stupid blonde wig came from and it was just horrible looking, but I put that on, had the robe. I came out, a friend of mine had put the entrance music on CD and walked out. And then I did my my whole report dressed as Ric Flair. I had a friend of mine be like, are you sure you want to do this? You look really ridiculous (laughs) and stuff, but it was so.
0: And what grade did you get?
1: I, I think I had an a, like I passed. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: the, the Ric Flair book, are you talking about the one by Keith Elliott Greenberg? Keith Elliott Greenberg. Yeah. The yeah. WWE one. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just interviewed him just about a month or two ago. Did
1: you just interview Keith?
0: Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, For his I've... most recent book, the too sweet book. Yeah. Which yeah. I cannot put over any more than I already do like to anyone who's even close to being a wrestling fan. I'm like, just read it. It's, it's it's an amazing book and he's a really great writer. I got to interview him for the first time this
1: year as well, mm-hmm. which was really cool because I used to read, his name was quite memorable because it's so lengthy, Keith mm-hmm. Elliott Greenberg. So I used to see that in WWE Magazine. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, I tried not to be a nerd mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it, but it was, it was really like, ah, it's Keith. Like that's the kind of stuff I get excited about when it's like the 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 wrestling journalists that you get to talk to or the, or the authors. Like mm-hmm. that's that to me is the more like, yes, it's cool when you get to speak to a wrestler but to me it's more like I grew up reading this guy you know it was mm-hmm. so cool and I just didn't want to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about
0: it. Well sometimes I mean I have interviewed a lot of writers on this show and I mm-hmm. plan to uh, in the future and the reason I do is because I feel like they are a little bit more like I don't want to say excited but when you ask them questions about the people that they've done biographies about they're better with telling the stories because they haven't told them 7,000 times whereas when you ask the wrestler they're like yeah this happened I just told this you know I just told this in another interview like 15 times just this week and you also get like a different kind of look at the story from a writer's perspective.
1: Well and they start out as fans too. Yes. And I mean it's that's just for me it's easier to Um, relate to them because that's how I started and and that's how I'm still a fan so that's Mm -hmm. to me why it's so exciting to talk to them I mean yes I any wrestlers I'm I'm, I welcome the chance to interview you as well but it's just yeah it's it's so exciting to talk to the wrestlers and just their process of going about getting the story and 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 getting the details from the
0: the wrestler that the book is about Mm -hmm. uh rough estimate how many wrestling books do you think you've read
1: oh gosh at least a hundred
0: okay
1: I don't know, so many. (laughs) And there's some that I read that have already been covered in Slam. And there's some that have been covered by Slam that I still have to read. Mm. Like ones that I didn't do, of course. But uh, there's just so many. And with self-publishing, there are so many wrestling books out there now. Like it's just, when we moved to the new um, site, I had to move the old book stories onto the new site for Slam. And just even then I was sitting there taking notes of which ones I Mm. want to still read because there's so many. There's so many out there.
0: In your opinion, what makes for a good wrestling book?
1: Um, I think, number one, the subject has to be willing to be vulnerable. If you're going to write a book, and I'm not saying you have to tell absolutely everything, because I understand th- that they're human, and it's not easy to show all the parts of you, especially the not-so-shiny parts, So, but I do think there is this expectation of a tell-all and a and if you don't, you aren't willing to go all the way in a tell-all, at least be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I think honesty, I think you have to include like the big events. Like I'm just thinking like the Bret Hart book. Like if you wouldn't have talked about the death of Owen or the screw job, people have been like, what? Like you have to be willing to be honest. And I, and I don't think it's easy by any means,
0: but I just think definitely vulnerability. Which off the top of your head, which book did you find surprisingly good?
1: Um, Well, I will always be a fan of Mick Foley's Have a Nice Day. Mm -hmm. That one, I think that was the first wrestling book I ever read. Mm -hmm. And then the next book I read, um, which is another one that I really like, although it's not, it's it's a hard read because it's it's, a difficult subject. But I read the um, Dynamite Kid autobiography, Mm -hmm. and uh, I actually... (laughs) Like, I know there's a lot of people, or I know someone, um, his name is Jason Norris, and he edited um, an anthology called Women Love Wrestling. And he doesn't want to read the Dynamite Kid book, because he's from the UK. And, you know, Dynamite Kid, British Bulldogs, those were held, they were held in such high esteem. So to read about a book, that where he's not so shiny, like all the edges are shown. And, you know, he wasn't that great of a guy. It's, you know, he doesn't want to take that journey but I really appreciated the honesty in that story and I just so I think the Mick Foley I think the Dynamite Kid um, another one I read that's really good um, another author based in the UK her name is Heather von Bandenberg and okay. she wrote a book called Unladylike and if you haven't checked that out I really recommend it she's the just a girl who all of a sudden became a wrestler <laughs> and wasn't really a fan and just kind of got invited to do some wrestling training and her first day of training, her and her friend showed up and they didn't even have gym clothes, like workout clothes. So they just went in some pajamas and whatever they could find. And she knew nothing about wrestling. And there was one day of training that um, her trainer was saying, okay, you he would yell out different names of famous wrestlers and you kind of had to imitate them. And he yelled out the undertaker and she didn't know who that was. And just this journey of her, you know, learning about wrestling and now becoming a wrestling fan and a wrestler, too. It's kind of like what I think it would be like if I became a wrestler, except I have no, I'd have the wrestling knowledge, but I have no athletic ability Mm -hmm. whatsoever. So just her journey. And also she has some health issues that she talks about. And she also talks about kind of the problems with wrestling, like in terms of the stereotypical storylines, things like that. So it's just a well-rounded, I called it a feminist romp about wrestling. Mm. Like it's a great, great book. And it's different. It's not, Something right. you'd expect to see all the time.
0: That sounds pretty I good. I'll have to check that If you can make out.
1: a book, if you can be vulnerable and kind of make it so something we don't quite expect or add, add your kind of spin on it.
0: It's a good thing. Do you remember any books that you got done with and you were like, that unfortunately was not a great book?
1: Um, I don't know if I ever would be like, oh, that's not a great book. I, I like definitely disappointed.
0: Yeah, disappointed.
1: Um, I remember reading the controversial uh, Rocky Johnson book. Mm. And I just, and that was written by um, the late Rocky Johnson and Scott Teal. And that book was pulled from shelves, unfortunately, but, and I, I I really like Scott Teal and he's a great writer, but I just felt the book was very guarded and I felt it was what Rocky Johnson wanted to present the version he wanted to present Mm. to audiences. And I just, like I said, the vulnerability was missing and not that you have to tell me all your secrets and your pin number i'm not asking for that but just like let us in and and i found i got to interview rocky like um when the book came out and uh he was very forthcoming and really great interview and i was just like man like i just felt that part like this forthcoming charming guy was missing from the book
0: why was it pulled i don't remember that
1: one i don't know there's some controversy over what um and again the best people to talk about that would be rocky who Unfortunately, he's passed That's away, right, and Scott yeah. Teal. But there, it looks like it originated with some money issues between the two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't know. There, oh, this so- was this was covered on Slam. There was a story, but I haven't spoken to Scott Teal about it. What all happened? I just um, something I noticed when I read the book is, and that I brought up is um, Rocky Johnson. Had of course he's the father of The Rock. Right. But he had previous or his other children from mm-hmm. previous relationships, previous marriage. And those children weren't even identified by gender in the book. And I, I brought that up to um, Rocky Johnson and he seemed very surprised and I don't know. I don't know if he knew it was gonna, that was how it was gonna be or if he was ge- genuinely honest with me that that was not his expectation that he thought there'd be pictures of them in the book and everything of his other children. So I think there was multiple issues with the book but I think it originated with some money issues
0: so and it, it kind of sounds like so Rocky Johnson spoke to the writer, the Ghostwriter Scott Teal. Uh, yeah, book came out and like never really looked it over or kind of like checked it, and then there was discrepancies that he wasn't crazy about, and then it became a money thing.
1: Uh, no, I think the money thing was before. Later. Oh, before I think there okay. was. I don't know if there was a formal contract. I think there was a discussion.
0: Gotcha. About
1: what Scott wanted, and then. yeah. Gotcha. It doesn't look like rocky fulfilled his end of the bargain mm. and then because of that issue that was that sounds like that's one that's like the main issue of why mm. it was pulled but um when i talked to rocky he told me he hadn't seen the book but i don't like i don't know how much involvement i don't know if he mm. asked to see each chapter after it was written or anything like that like right. that kind of stuff was still murky and i never yeah. kind of got a straight answer and i even talked to the publisher. Like, why isn't his other children named in the book? Yeah. Like, cause they, his children on Facebook, his other children, like at least his other son was talking about the book and, mm. and like, you know, saying, Hey, my dad's got a book out kind of thing. But I'm like, I don't know if he knows he's not mentioned at all by name in there. So
0: interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, but you yeah, it's
1: pulled from shelves. Like you, if you want a copy, you'd have to, uh. You'd have con- to
0: go on eBay or something. I'll contact my buddy, The Rock, and I'll ask him for it.
1: Yes, yes, or he you could go been, that way.
0: He might have an extra <laughs> copy hanging around. <laughs> um, or he might
1: not want to give you a copy because it was pulled. So he Probably knows. not. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it's somewhere hanging around the web, but I, I, I'd be more interested to learn the backstory of it than the actual read. Like to go. Yeah, if
1: you do go on slamwrestling.net, mm-hmm. Greg Oliver does write an article about okay. why the – about the book being pulled mm-hmm. and it looks like he what he says in the article is of course the money issue and then he did talk to an ecw sort ecw pu- press that's the mm-hmm. name of the publisher of the book right um off the record and they kind of alluded there were other issues too and i like i've heard things but to say this is exactly what happened mm-hmm. i can't say that because there, there was just so much talk about this book but i think
0: where does everything usually go wrong starts off with money with so. money yeah. yeah i'll have to check that out one book that I read and I love the performer, but that I was slightly disappointed in was, I don't remember the exact name of it, but it was the Arne Anderson biography.
1: Oh, that one I haven't read. Okay.
0: So it was probably late '80s that it was published, and it was very much still in kayfabe. Hmm. And he wrote it. I don't even know if he wrote it. Like he spoke like he was actually Arne Anderson. I, I'm sure. I can't. I think he might have like said in the beginning that he was Marty Lundy, but he stayed very much in kayfabe and it was kind of like all right and he 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 like kind of got out a little bit but now that I listen to the Arn Anderson podcast he kind of still has trouble talking about I think he would and I think that would be
1: I talked to um the lady I I have a hard time pronouncing her name it's Janine Mahoseth she was Mad Maxine okay okay um wrestled with uh she was trained by the fabulous Moolah Mm. and she wrote instead of writing an autobiography she wrote a novel and, and there's going to be a story i've written the story it's going to it hasn't been posted live on slam yet but it's coming and for her Kfabe was so ingrained in her so that's why she wanted to do a novel she mm-hmm. felt queasy when think the thought of doing an actual memoir autobiography so i think just like arn anderson i think it's ingrained like Kfabe yeah. was the law and it mm-hmm. was serious and when you when they first started wrestling and it for the majority of their career so i think it's hard to turn that off
0: do you think that i don't know how it works from publisher to publisher but do you think when these wrestlers sit down and do this with someone or even the the ghostwriter or the co-author with them they should they do you think they say to them you're gonna want to be as honest as possible if you want this to be a bestseller or if you I want people do. to read this yes yeah. i just don't know like yeah. i don't know if and if, not
1: having done a book Myself either. Like I hope people do because if you're going to be in there, that's and that was kind of mostly my issue with um, the Rocky Johnson book. Like, yes, all this controversy happened after, but Mm -hmm. um, to me, it was just yeah. I just felt like this is like it's still an interesting story to hear about how this guy came from really impoverished childhood and then was able to, you know, become a famous wrestler and also all the racism and things he endured you know, yeah, it's a compelling, interesting story, but there was just so much of it that was just mm-hmm. kept under lock and key. I felt like just wasn't all there. Like there was just lit, like it just need a little bit more, like mm-hmm. just open up a little bit. Like you don't
0: have to, like I said, don't give me your pin number, but a little bit more. Then you have the opposite. And I found this in a bunch of books that I read mm-hmm. where it seems like the wrestler kind of overshares. yeah. Overshares things that aren't really that necessary where it's like, Two paragraphs on. Well, I told a guy if he didn't give me five bucks, I was going to beat him up. And we went outside and I beat him up. And it's like, all right, does that really kind of move the story along that you just told me that you randomly beat up a coworker for $5?
1: Well, so- and for me, an, an example of what you're saying is when they're like, and then I had sex with five ladies. <laughs> you know, like it's just-
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, and the next night I had sex with so yeah. 10. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Like, and, I, and I, I don't know if that's just, um, a female perspective. Like I don't, you know, that's, mm. that's, that's the only perspective I know when I'm reading mm. a wrestling book. Like, I don't know if men read that book and, and are like, ugh, the same way I do. Like, mm. I'm sure some men are like, yay, that's the best book ever. Mm. But I don't know. Like that's just something I just noticed in my perspective with the oversharing. I'm like, oh, great. Another yeah. story of groupies. Yeah.
0: You know, I, it's funny. I, I don't think I've come across a book that I've, that I've read with any of that in there. Maybe like a brief kind of in passing but I don't remember any like groupy stories that's funny I guess I, I guess I'm reading I guess I'm reading the, <laughs> not right, reading books. the right books <laughs> I guess yeah. I am reading the right books because I'm not coming yeah. across that so maybe well, I, I am
1: I, I like and and I understand that that's because I read a lot of um autobiographies of rock stars mm-hmm. so I understand there's going to be groupie stories but sometimes you're just like yeah. oh not again well, that's also seems like
0: it's just, it's a known, like, it's we know. Excessive. Yeah, we like, get we, it. We get it. Like, we don't, we assume that you had a lot of women. Like, we don't need yeah. to know. You're no. famous and you had access to a lot of ladies. Yeah. 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 But I, I feel like they, they feel the need, they feel compelled, especially now when they're writing the book 30 years later, where that's not happening every day yeah. of the week. So they need to show, oh, I used to be like the chick magnet. <sighs> I yeah. used to be someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so you've been writing online since 2005. How has wrestling coverage overall changed in those 15 years?
1: Um, well, I think definitely how women are portrayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still some fans who are not fans of women wrestling. And there's some that have become, there's some male and female fans that have become advocates for female wrestling. I think to me, that's the big change. And maybe that's just me noticing because again, I'm a female wrestler. Um, Right, a female writer in a mostly male dominated, um, area of writing, but just women's matches being taken more seriously. I never thought, I know WWE isn't as far along as they should be mm-hmm. in the women's revolution. And they'd like to take credit and be like, look at what we did when, yeah, okay. You know, you're only doing it right now because it's profiting you, mm-hmm. you know, pe- there's been all female promotions and that way before mm-hmm. WWE decided to have the women's evolution. But I mean, I never thought I'd see just an all women's pay-per-view, which I thought would be an annual thing, but unfortunately they've only done once so far. And uh, so that's definitely, and and I mean, there's still a lot more to accomplish in terms of um, advocating women's wrestling. But when I've come from, when I first started watching, like we said earlier, I didn't get to see a lot of women's matches. I saw a lot of valets. And when I did see matches, it was in the Attitude Era and there was a lot of women um, in ball in those evening gown matches or pillow fights and things like that. So to me, that's probably the biggest change. And also people coming forward and admitting they're wrestling fans, because like I told you, I was, that was something I was bullied for. And even as I got older and I had people who weren't kind of out when it came to saying they were a wrestling fan and they would say, Hey, I saw your article on slam. And they'd send me an email. I just wanted you to know I'm a wrestling fan too. I'm like where were you when I was seven and getting picked on you know but I think just the the role of women and just people being okay and like shouting that they're wrestling fans which I think is great
0: I feel like I mean the WWE has come a long way with the women's wrestling I feel like one place that they're lacking is and this probably has something to do with it being a male dominated writing room but I feel mm-hmm. like the storylines are all like two or three. It's like either uh, we're best friends and we're no longer best friends yeah. or I'm the bigger girl bullying the little little girl. Like they don't, their storylines are always the same three things. And sometimes it feels like some women are feuding and we don't even really know why they're feuding. Like sometimes they they're feuding
1: re- over a man.
0: Yeah, which yeah. also gets old too. And it's yeah. kind of just like, I feel like the women's division, like they need more stakes. Like there's gotta be reasons why they're, you know, like um, a, a good example would be, so the women's money in the bank. Yeah. So the women win the money in the bank and then it just kind of like, it, it doesn't get as much exposure as the men's money in the bank. Like we saw Ms and Otis with that briefcase pretty much every week. Yeah. But it really took me a minute to, and, and I remember that like Asuka won it this yes. year, right? And she had already cashed it in. Well, Becky Lynch- Right, gave it up. Because she was
1: pregnant and then, and gave, and she said, you also won this and the belt was in this briefcase. Right, that's right. Okay, yeah.
0: so I feel like then at that moment, there should have been another money in the bank. Like, yeah, add another stake. Yeah, add another stake. Like, don't get rid of that. You already have, like, not enough storylines to go along for the women. Give them something else to fight over instead of like the bullying and the you're my friend, you're not my friend anymore. Yeah, You know, so I feel like where the women's wrestling has come a long way the actual writing for the reasons that these women are wrestling for, with each other is kind of way way back
1: and i think that's something that will change as the writing uh table at wwe gets more diverse as mm-hmm. you said it's it's a lot of men on there mm-hmm. so and i think also maybe if uh Vinny let go of the control, control freakedness that he has a little bit I think maybe we would get some more powerful stories but
0: I don't know sometimes I wonder how accurate that is like I'm sure he still has the final say yeah but I feel That's like my guess too a lot of it is like things go wrong they're like well Vince wouldn't let us do it or Vince doesn't you know. it,
1: it is an easy scapegoat
0: yeah yeah but okay so now Along those lines, I don't know if you saw recently uh, on, the, on Eric Bischoff's podcast, 83. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't on 83 Weeks. He did an interview with Digital Spy. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. So he said one of the reasons that it didn't work out with the WWE is because when you get to some place, you feel like you're going to be bringing these fresh new ideas and hopefully something happen. Whereas in the WWE, it's just new people doing the same things that they've always done all the time. I think that's very accurate. Yeah. yeah. So how much could you get all this new stuff out there if it's just, so it's these people who, so it might not be Vince, but yeah. it's the Vince learning tree of all these people that are like, this is the way we do it. And we're just going to do it the way that Vince did it. And, you know, it's just kind of, you're never going to change. The only person who's kind of progressive, not really too progressive is uh, triple H because triple H just kind of took what was working on the Indies and made NXT technically like WWE's indie yeah you know in a way and I
1: always enjoy the NXT pay-per-views more I do too that like that that's always like I find myself like having a reaction when I'm watching it like I I will gasp I'll be like oh like I'll be not that I don't have reactions when I watch like like say TLC the other night but I just it's such a I don't know it's yeah it's just fresher it's just more exciting and I think it reminds me of when I've gone to indie shows which I miss so much now with COVID but Mm. yeah
0: yeah and it's too, because nxt like i said before they have stakes there's like stakes to it yeah
1: you actually Where, care yeah yeah You're whereas invested, wwe yeah.
0: program is like storylines yep. yep like so like i don't get i love the hurt business i like them I don't okay. really know what they're trying to accomplish yeah okay they're trying know. to get all the belts <laughs> and then what yeah then they're the hurt business with all the belts like what yeah what's yeah what's next yeah there's no end goal like yeah I, I mean now they're kind of doing the infighting like there's going to be a shelton cedric kind of split i think here yeah that's that, that's kind of coming yeah but like already like i feel like they've only been around for maybe a year and we're already doing the infighting thing and it's just like just let's them... using
1: again the same old storylines okay we'll do yes. infighting now yeah yes yeah.
0: yeah so well we could talk about that forever <laughs> so um uh so my next question which i think you're gonna have a lot of fun with Okay. Um, Let's pretend that you are hired to teach a college course. Okay. And the college course is on professional wrestling as a whole. You have to make up the syllabus and the reading list. Give me like the five books that you're going to put on the reading list. That is a good question.
1: Um,
0: You're allowed to cheat and look around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have some books with me. So... Well, I think we have to put the Mick Foley, Have a Nice Day. Okay. I think we have to do that one. Um, let's see here. Um, I, and I like, this is the one I brought up. I actually should have had this one. This is the unladylike book. Oh, that's a great cover. Girls. This is A Girl's Guide to Wrestling. That's by Heather von Bannenberg. That's the one. So I think that one. I think Pure Dynamite. I have that one. Um, I think this one too, this is a book, this came out in 1971, but it was reissued this Mm -hmm. year. This is Friday night in the Coliseum. Oh, cool. It's a photo book. Um, and Jeff Winningham took it. He had, he kind of got unrestricted access to, um, shows in Houston every Friday night. Um, the promoter, Paul Bosch, uh, let him, you know, like kind of Backstage by the ring could take all the photos. He even had a little recorder. He would could interview the wrestlers. He could interview Paul Bosch, the promoter. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good one too. Um, hmm.
0: Let's add. Let's add Keith's in uh, Too Sweet the Indies book.
1: I think we have to have. I think we have to have Keith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one I have here. It's it's behind me though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also this one because Andre the Giant was so such a character. Mm. in wrestling and if you go to ask people who um are not necessarily wrestling fans mm. um do you know Andre the Giant they're like yeah like everybody mm. knows Andre the
0: Giant there's let, so many let, all right <laughs> let, let, let's kind of while we're still thinking about that let's kind of diverge to a different topic sure. on that on that topic but so you just said Andre the Giant pretty much everybody knew who Andre the Giant was everybody yep. knew who Hulk Hogan was yep Stone Cold the Rock But if you were to go out on the street right now and ask 50 people who Drew McIntyre is, they probably wouldn't know.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So,
0: well, okay, so here's the theory on that. And I've heard this from different places. And one of them was actually Triple H in an interview. He roundabout way said, WWE will no longer build superstars. It's Mm -hmm. brand first, person second. Do you think that's a mistake?
1: I, I, I do. I think there is something to having these icons in wrestling, these memorable icons. I'd want to know more about what his thinking is, but let, well, obviously they want to make money. It's about mm-hmm. lining the pockets yes. first. No, I think it is because I think that is a tragedy that if you went out there and and even like asking people, Drew McIntyre, who is a great wrestler and has right. gone through a lot of mm-hmm. highs and lows to get where he is today. I haven't mm-hmm. watched the Stone Colds um, session interview with him yet but no i i think i think it's a misstep and, and i think it's important to fans to resonate with the superstars like for them to mean something
0: mm.
1: like hulk Did, hogan macho man meant something to me you know yeah
0: i i think it's because all of the people i mentioned kind of got ingrained into pop culture yes whereas it's Hard for Drew McIntyre to get into pop culture because the WWE doesn't do anything to elevate him to that status.
1: Well, and there's only so many Marine movies you can sit through. So.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> Which I, I don't think I've even sat through one. So I, I haven't.
0: <laughs> Did you see the trailer that aired after um, TLC? That was the Icon series that's starting.
1: No, I was going to look at that. That reminds me, I didn't look at that yet.
0: It's essentially basically WWE's stab at Dark Side of the Ring.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: But now, they're not all dark. So the, the five subjects that they showed are, so there's going to be Lex Luger. Okay. But they are very heavy, much heavy on the fall of Lex Luger. Uh, Davey Boy Smith. Mm. Um, Yokozuna. Okay. Rob Van Dam, And Beth Phoenix.
1: Well, that's interesting. I, speaking of Luger, I didn't enjoy his book
0: either. I oh, he had what Was it a WWE produced one or? a No
1: but to me, it just, um, you know, he was the character of the narcissist Mm -hmm. in WWE. It comes off very narcissistic. Like he's in his bubble and he, I think he more so today, I've seen a few interviews like recently where he's in a place where he acknowledges some of the mistakes he's made, but not in this book, in this book, it's everybody else did this. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't take responsibility for anything. So even like Oh, he's very Bret Hart.
0: Bret Hart does that. My fault. Yeah, but, yeah. Bret yeah. Hart blames everybody, but... Um, yeah. Uh, I was... Oh, man, I just lost... you. Don't you hate when you lose your train of thought? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a good question. And the Lex Luger... We were on the Lex Luger thing. All right, I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, did you want to add any books to the list? Um... Oh, I remembered. I just remembered. Okay, that's good. Let's go back to that. Okay, (laughs) let's go back to that. Uh, Especially because you've read so many uh, books, uh, autobiographies, and stuff. Um, Sometimes, do you think that not enough thought is put into matching the wrestler with the right, the correct writer?
1: I think in some ways. I think sometimes wrestlers just want to get their book out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they always have an appreciation of what goes into telling someone's story, especially in book format. Like it's, this is beyond an article. This is a whole book and sometimes they're just, Oh, I just want to have a book so I can have it at my table at Mm. conventions kind of thing. So I, I think there is some truth to that. And then I think sometimes magic happens like the Ric Flair book like that. I don't think it would have been nearly as good without Keith Elliott Greenberg you know, connecting with, or even the um, superstar Billy Graham, Keith did that one as well. That's a great book. And they're both WWE books, which kind of is going to limit how, uh, you know, how much we say, how much controversy is going to be in the book to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so definitely not those two instances, like you had the right um, author with them, but.
0: Uh, Did you ever have any heat with anybody over one of your reviews?
1: Um, I've had people like contact me and and but not getting like like they that I've been threatened or anything like that like I've, some people they they weren't didn't quite agree but we talked about it civilly and I'm I'm very grateful for that that nobody's been really um upset about like just recently I was on um this 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 question kind of got me in some trouble because I was on um uh, Kenny Casanova and John Cosper launched this bookmarks covid con program and now they have a weekly show mm-hmm and I was interviewed on it, and I brought up how there was a review, not one done by me, and I couldn't remember all the details, but like an author objected to the review and actually sent in his own story, and it was published on Slam, and I couldn't remember all the details at the time, so the next day, I posted the article on their, they have a Facebook page on the site that I did the show on. So just so people could know what I was talking about, because I felt bad, I couldn't remember it all. And oh, it caused a storm. (laughs) Like people were like, this review is awful because it was about George Shire who wrote a book about uh, the AWA. I haven't read the book, to be Mm -hmm. fair, but uh, on a slam writer, slammed it basically. He did not care for the book. And then... um, so this was 10 years ago, by the way, also as well. So at the time George felt, you know, he really did not like the review, did not feel it was fair. So he wrote an article and that was, I thought it was kind of a cool example to share with viewers because I'd never seen that before that a site that would actually say, okay, this is, I just saw it was kind of a unique thing to share. And uh, he didn't really appreciate that, so he wrote about it, and he got his own little story on the site, and mm. that seemed to cause quite the mm-hmm. reactions. But I, I thought it was a good discussion to have. It has got a lot of people angered up, and then George was on the same show I was the next week and mm-hmm. got to talk about
0: it again. So, look, I'm but, sure I'm sure it pushed a lot of books, and he was fine with it. Well, that's
1: what a lot. That's that's <laughs> the thing too. He got to be on the show the next week and got to draw attention to his book. And it, you know, it, this has been out. This book's been out for over ten years, but mm-hmm. um, to me, nobody's been like nobody's written a rebuttal review or a rebuttal article in response to review, but I have talked to people and had some discussions. And I mean, you get close to all these authors. Like I have to be in contact with so many of them and, and so many of them, they, you know, you become friendly with them. So it can be difficult because I still have to have my integrity. I can't say every book is great because mm-hmm. I would be like, geez, that Jamie sure likes every book.
0: Whereas mm-hmm. the
1: same thing, I can't rip apart every book either. Like I try to, um, I try to have a balance And, but, you know, and I still have to talk to these people, look at these people in the eye the next day, some of them that some of these authors, but so it's an interesting dynamic, but I also
0: have to remain true to how I feel about a book. Are you ever going to write a wrestling book?
1: I don't know. People have asked and I don't know. There's part of me that would be interested in maybe releasing a fiction book and and maybe if the right subject came along for wrestling, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying so many, reading so many. I don't know. What's I a, know they are a lot of work too. So.
0: They are. They are a lot yeah. of work, especially yeah. like the research, getting all the people, yeah. finding, finding the people. Like some wrestlers are harder to find than CIA agents, like yeah. getting like any online presence or anything.
1: And I'd be interested in books on like Miss Elizabeth or Sensational Sherry and both of whom are no longer with us. And, mm. you know, I, I know in the case of Elizabeth, um, well, I don't know now. I know when I was in journalism school, I contacted her brother. And she'd already passed away at that point to do a school assignment for journalism school. And he's like, I don't want to talk to you. My family doesn't want to talk to you. So, you know, that would be tough to do a book when there's, you know, the people closest to her, her family looks like they don't really want much to do with wrestling. So.
0: Right. Yeah. What wrestling topic do you feel needs a book?
1: Um, I'd like to see a CM Punk autobiography. I'd like to see Miss Elizabeth, Sensational Sherry. Um, I would say like a few years ago, um, the Sisterhood of the Squared Circle came out, Pat LaPrade and Dan Murphy did. So like there was kind of that women's book was missing and I was yeah. glad they had that book out that honored all the different women in wrestling. So um, hmm, I don't know, what, what books do you want to see?
0: Um, you know, just recently, I don't know if there was a whole book involved in it, but, um, I read an interview online with Gerald Briscoe about the last like days of WCW and the WWE takeover Mm -hmm. and, uh, how him and Bruce Prichard and Shane McMahon showed up at that last Nitro and basically no one knew what was going on. And he said like, there was like grown men crying and like, cause it was this whole, and he, they basically got in. Shane did his thing on TV and then they like left. So maybe like the final dying days or maybe... The one topic that I feel like really needs to be flushed out because it was such a missed opportunity, uh, the invasion. And oh. like WCW coming over and ECW and that whole thing and all of the things that could have been. And just the years of wrestling fans just making these fake things like what if this guy wrestled this guy and I know a lot of it had to do with the contracts and the AOL money and all that stuff but you can't tell me that whatever wrestler x made to sit home you can't tell me that the money that the WWE had they couldn't say you're paying we're getting paid this to sit home I'll pay you this to come to wrestle and the amount of money that could have been made after that Mm -hmm. But I feel like part of the problem was um, you have these guys and they're not going to want to put people over. They know they're going to get squashed when they come to WWE. And a lot of the guys did. The only guy that really survived was Booker T. Yeah. Maybe like one or two random others. Like some guys kind of hung on like Shane Helms ended up being a producer and Billy Kidman stayed for a while. But I mean, the only person from WCW that really kind of moved on was Booker T. Booker T, yeah. So I feel like maybe guys like... Nash Goldberg, at that moment, thought it's never going to happen. So I feel like that might be a good topic, like the invasion part, and just a real deep dive into either Dusty Rhodes or Sting. Like yeah, a st- and
1: also Macho Man. I'd like to and Macho
0: Man, yeah. but but I feel like the Macho Man thing is just going to be mostly Lanny Poffo talking about him, which for is forever. yeah.
1: And, and I, I adore Lanny Poffo. I'm a big, big fan. I mean, I used to, as a teenager, I used to write horrible poetry and wish my poetry was half as good as the geniuses. Um, so I don't want to, I, I am, a, and I, you know, just being a Machman fan, I adore Lanny as well. I have never mm. met him, but um, I think there is, he obviously has some bias, you know, that's his brother yes. and he loves him to death and he you know, when you've seen the documentaries and people are ta- like on dark side or the WWE produced one, um, when they're talking about the negative aspects of the macho and Elizabeth's relationship, Lanny doesn't want to hear it. Doesn't want to talk about that. But I mean,
0: right.
1: you also, there's something to be said for loyalty and family too. So you can't blame the guy, you know? Right. But- but yeah. It, w- it would need to be a book that had, you know, you want some Lanny input, but you got to have the other perspective too, the
0: other side. I agree. Uh, real quick, before I let you go, uh, the one thing that caught my eye when we first started talking—can we talk about the signed honky tonk man? Uh, sh- uh, no, uh, on your other. I've one, got. Uh, well,
1: I've got a whole collection of. Uh, I
0: I find that I find it interesting because you're such a Macho Man fan that you would have a autographed honky tonk man. I mean, he this is all
1: honky the, tonk man figures. Like
0: oh, they're all honky tonk man.
1: Well, from the, these three shelves here. Oh, see, honky I man can't man. see that. I can
0: only see okay. the 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 signed.
1: But I've got Make sure. got uh, yeah, this. so my uncle in Vancouver, who we would go visit, mm-hmm. um, he would do things backstage for wrestling, like if, um, take wrestlers to the airports. He also like run errands for them. He had to go get a giant pizza for the big show one time. <laughs> he also did uh, ring announcing. He would be timekeeper. He had to, he had to control um, the music, like mm-hmm. entrance music, and then when when you know the winner, their mm-hmm. music or the things like that like he kind of did a bit of everything he would Mm -hmm. collect robes sometimes wow and so he got to know a few wrestlers and one of them that he got to really know well was the honky tonk man so he had all anytime he'd get something for honky he'd get it like a an action figure he'd get it signed Mm -hmm. and actually i'm trying to see if it's here oh yeah this when i got married this little guy was put on my table Huh. in the middle of by the candles like I, I had a sweetheart table which is just me and my husband sitting together not a big long guest table but right um so this little this is in his finest white attire it's a bit of a glare I'm sorry oh I can see uh, it yeah was waiting for me at my wedding because just any time a honky-tonk figure mm. came out my uncle would buy it and if he could get it signed from honky because they knew each other mm. and then he'd send it to me so I've amassed probably the world's only honky-tonk man collection
0: now, <laughs> now my final question as a father Yes. I have a question. How do you keep your kid away from the packaged wrestling figures and stuff?
1: Um, well, he's ten. So how old? How
0: old okay. are your kids? Uh, 10 ten, ten and seven. Okay. But like, it's kind of like uh, they're okay. Like, I have you can't really see it, so I have raised Ramon over here. Well, Razor okay. Ramon over here. I have Bobby. The I Brahim see a Macho over Man here. over
1: that shoulder. Yeah, this is
0: yeah. one of my one of my favorites. There's Macho yeah. Man. I got Xavier Woods and everything. Um, got a Road Warriors. Uh, they're okay with, it, but like the there was a point my son was like six or seven and he was like why can't they be out of the packages
1: you know my son's never asked that and for when he was really little I, I didn't have this stuff out mm-hmm. like I kind of just more as he's been older brought it out he's never asked me so I've never had to have the don't touch mommy stuff collection
0: like, <laughs> and he likes feel- wrestling <laughs>
1: too and I did I have gotten him a few figures of his own mm-hmm. like I, I'm married to a ginger so mm-hmm. we're all big fans mm-hmm. of Seamus so okay. I got my son a little Seamus figure, and his first wrestling show we took was a WWE one, and we I got him a John Cena shirt and things mm-hmm. like that. So he's never asked, so that's funny. I've
0: never had to be like, "Don't touch mommy's stuff." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I hope I didn't jinx you. I hope yeah, I now, jinx you. now he's gonna be like, they'll be all opened all yeah. over the floor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. playing with a honky tonk versus honky tonk.
1: Yeah. Like New Mexican
0: woman dies <laughs> of a heart attack. Yeah. So, so uh, Jamie, where else can people find you online besides Slam?
1: Yeah, you can go to, um, at Jamie Hemmings and my name's spelled right here. It's J A M I E, um, at Jamie Hemmings one on Twitter. And I, you can send me messages there or Jamie the number eight at gmail.com. And like, if, if there's a wrestling book that hasn't been covered on slam that you think we have to, cause I have this really ambitious goal. I want to put all the wrestling books on there. Okay. Even if they came out before, I know. The producer gave me the same look, like oh, wow, that's great, that's Jamie.
0: Well, because it doesn't stop, like <laughs> it does Just, it. It just does. because you're reading a wrestling book doesn't mean other wrestling books aren't coming out.
1: <laughs> no, and and especially like I said, with self-publishing, mm. people are getting their stories and getting their books out, not having to rely on on a big publisher picking them up. So, um, yeah, if there's a book we haven't covered, you think we should. If you have a book coming out, let me know. That's the big thing too. There's still, I still have to chase a lot of books down. Like, mm. please send us one. And and I'm not the only one who writes about the books. I write a, a lot, Let's like I write about a lot of them, but I also have a lot of, um, there's many slam writers mm. who help me out. So I want to thank them too. It's not just me doing it all because I couldn't, like you said, there's so many that come out. I couldn't um, read them all and, and, and still have my family life and all mm. that stuff. So um, it's not just me, but let us know because you know, we, we want to cover them all and, uh, I don't want to have to chase everybody. I mean, I still do it. I still try and chase down books all the time, but, um, usually, yeah, you can get a hold of me at Jamie Hemmings one on Twitter and also Jamie the number eight at
0: gmail.com. Well, you're the only writer that's ever come on here and asked for more work.
1: Well, <laughs> I, do, I would just like it. So I don't have to chase them so much like gotcha. dealing with okay. all the publishers, like please send the book, please.
0: Yeah, I hear but, you. I have the yeah. same problem.
1: Well, well, I love books. I mean, that's, that I'm so glad that Greg Oliver, the producer gave me this role. And even he's like, oh my God, this is so suited for you. You're <laughs> such a book nerd. So I'm just, I, I you know, I, if my seven-year-old self who was getting bullied for liking wrestling would know that, you know, just a few decades more, you'd get to be a book editor and you'd be reading wrestling books for a living. I mean, how cool is that? It's,
0: so. it's amazing. And I'm yeah. really, I'm really happy for you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me too.
0: Jamie, thanks. We'll have you, uh, I will, I'll <laughs> have you on again real soon. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to. And that brings another episode of Not About Wrestling to a close. Guests of the Not About Wrestling show stay in their own damn houses. If you like the show, please share it on social or leave a review on iTunes. And remember to subscribe to Not About Wrestling on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com backslash brobible and find the Not About Wrestling section. Thanks again for listening or watching. And see you all next week. Well, I I won't see you at all. You know what I mean.